Welcome to the Uncivilized Podcast. My name is Trevor Bohm and I will be your host. Every week or so, I try to get myself a fascinating human on the mic for you, someone who looks at the civilized world just like you do and says no thank you. Someone who wants to break some rules, to lead, and to bring their unique vision into the world. Someone for whom the status quo simply will not do. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I do. Please dive in. Hey folks, welcome back to the Uncivilized Podcast. This is Trevor Boehm, your host, and I got another one that you need to sit down and buckle up for. Today's guest is George Bryant. He was referred to me by George Kalantzis, their buddies. Uh, if you haven't listened to George Kalantzis' episode, please go back and do so. George Bryant is a force, y'all. Uh, I think I ask about four questions through this entire 90-minute interview. And George just drops gem after gem after gem on transformation, on growth, on healing, on entrepreneurship, on being a father, on being a man, on being human, on being successful, on being everything. This is a man who has experienced every form of trauma you can possibly imagine from childhood through the military and has turned his life around in the most incredible of ways. So whether you are a man, whether you are not a man, whether you love a man, whether it doesn't matter who you are as a human, one, this is just a fantastic story. And two, there's just, as I said, so many gems. I actually went back, I do this very rarely, is go back and listen to an episode before I published it. But this is one of those episodes that I did because when I was listening to him and I was talking to George, like I couldn't take notes fast enough. So please sit down for this one. Uh, grab a cup of coffee, grab a notebook, grab a pen, and get ready to listen to some incredible knowledge. This is a, a fabulous, fabulous conversation. And for any of you guys who are listening along and have been following what I've been talking about with nice guys, get your ass in this Kill the Nice Guy course. I just have testimonial after testimonial now of guys whose lives have been radically transformed and radically changed out of the friend zone of life and into a more powerful, uncivilized way of being. All right, check it out. All right, without further ado, please welcome George Bryant. George Bryant, welcome to the Uncivilized Podcast. This has been a long time coming, and one I'm very, very excited for. Uh, I appreciate your patience over the years of this coming together. For people who, God, I don't even know where to begin with you. I'll just say that like straight up. I may just like leave the room and be like, George, talk to my people. Uh, but for people who don't know who you are, what you, the 50,000 things you do in the world, uh, what, what do you think we're going to be talking about today? Who are you? Yeah, man. I love, you know, what's funny. I've had two people actually do that. And for 55 minutes, I just did the entire podcast. I story arced it. I did the takeaways. I wrapped it. And then I even applied it to like their podcast. Cause I listened to it and they were like, whatever. I'm like, no, that's not my job. Like, that's why I have my own podcast, but I do I, I love, I love hearing myself talk. So I created a life where I get paid to do it and try to use it to help people. So it's, it's fun for me. You know, I, you know what, you know, it's funny if I think about, if I think about like my life and I'll share some of it, what I think we're going to end up talking about is probably like personal agency and the most neglected relationship that people mm -hmm. have in their life. And it tends to be the secret for every single shift or breakthrough or success that I've ever had or ever helped people have. And so for all of you listening, that's called the Zygarnik effect. And I'll close that loop in probably 20 minutes. But now you just get to have that unresolved conflict of what I'm talking about. <laughs> 
But yeah, it's really, really funny. Like I get asked this question all the time and I used to have a very scripted answer. I can tell you verbatim my entire life, the dates, the accolades, the everything. And I realized that my ego was wrapped up in an identity that was keeping me disconnected from myself. And so to answer your question of who am I? Uh, well, today I've been an incredible husband and a father and leader to my team and somebody who practiced crying this morning to have gratitude, but also to hold some stuff for my family. And so I just feel like a man with a big heart who had a whole lot of stuff in life handed to him that I can use to help other people. And so that's how I answer that question now, because I realize that who I am is a choice that I make every day, not what's read on paper or not some biological chronological history of what I've accomplished. Mm. And that's been huge for me in keeping a healthy relationship with myself and managing life and expectations and also being able to find joy in the moment and, and realizing that we can have all these accolades and have all this success, but most of the time they become the drug that prevents people from having what they said they wanted in the first place. And for me, that's family time, it's friendship, it's connection, it's experiences. And so how I got here, I'll give the 30, the three minute version so we sure, can unpack sure. it on where it seems applicable. I grew up in Massachusetts, a uh, pretty fucking horrendous childhood, drug abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. I was basically homeless at 12, started working to support myself, slept in basements and cars and literally worked three jobs as a child while social services was involved until I could forge my parents' signature to join the Marine Corps. Uh, and in that phase was also bulimic from the sexual abuse, was about 100 pounds overweight, had my front teeth knocked out four times before I graduated, my nose broken twice. And so it wasn't an easy road. And so I decided to take all that brokenness and join the Marine Corps. And they're like, oh, you're broken? We love you. Let's, <laughs> Let's give and, you a gun. Uh, yeah. I fit perfect into their ecosystem. Went to boot camp, graduated first out of 1,600 people, went to Marine combat training, graduated first out of 500 people, went to my job school, graduated first, and graduated so first that I then volunteered for my first deployment to Somalia at like 20 years old. Like it was a, oh, Napoleon complex really helps you win in a world built on death and destruction. And so that became my identity. And so ended up spending 13 years of my life in the Marine Corps on active duty. Wow. Did three combat deployments, almost lost both my legs in Somalia in 2004, 2005, ended up spending 12 months in a wheelchair. Uh, they wanted to amputate both of them. Um, I have no feeling in my legs from the knee down, but I ended up telling them to fuck off uh, because I was more scared of getting out and going home to nothing than I was of staying in and suffering. And so I ended up making a full recovery, uh, but I ended up tying a world record for standing box jump, did an Ironman, ran marathons, became a competitive CrossFitter. Mm. Then 2010, hit Afghanistan again. And um, that's kind of where things started to unravel. I had seven traumatic brain injuries in three years, busted every, every which way you can imagine. And uh, I was blessed to find paleo accidentally in 2010. I read Rob Wolf's book or yep. Tim Ferriss's book yep. back then. And then what's funny is Rob's my neighbor now, which is hilarious. We see oh, no each other like twice a week. And uh, I was like, wow. And I was still struggling with my eating disorder. So I was deployed to Afghanistan leading 55 Marines and I would purge in porta potties when nobody was looking wow. because it gave me this false sense of control when everything else felt out of control because that's how I mitigated the abuse as a child, mm. which is a weird construct, but luckily I'm past all that. And so I started eating paleo or ish. And then I was like, when I got home, I was like, well, I've never cooked. And in 2010, 
gluten-free wasn't a thing and paleo wasn't a thing. And so it was like, if I wanted it, I had to make it. And it was helping my health a ton because I was still struggling so much. Found out I had celiac disease Mm. um, from the metal in my mouth, from the reconstructive surgeries, from my teeth being blasted out. So, you know, cause and effect, here we go. And so I knew I needed accountability. So this is 2011. And I was like, I just need to post this stuff somewhere. And I was like, I'm going to cook a recipe a day. And once I know how to make it from memory, I can pick a new recipe. And that's how I taught myself how to cook. So I started a Facebook page because everybody was talking about Facebook. I couldn't get an account because I didn't go to college. And so I was a hacker. So I made a college email, got myself a Facebook account at some university.edu I made. And I started posting every day, just the recipe I made and a photo, the recipe I made in a photo. And someone's like, hey, man you should put these on a Facebook page because I can't find them on your profile. So I made a Facebook page and I used the notes section. I made a note per recipe. And then after about six months, someone's like, you should start a blog. I'm like, what the heck's a blog? And so I went to blogger.com and I was like, what would I name this thing? And being all cheeky, the dumbest business name you could ever give anything, civilizedcavemancookingcreations.com. And to make it even better, civilizedcavemancookingcreations.blogspot.com because I'm too too cheap to pay the eight bucks to have it be my own domain. And at the same time, the Marine Corps started my med board. So at the 12-year mark, they're like, hey, you're undeployable now. You're too broken. I'm like, I'm actually not. And I was still smoking every one of my Marines. Like nobody could touch me. Perfect scores, everything. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But you also pass out when you're walking from the bleeding on your brain. And uh, and I was like, oh yeah, okay, cool. Um, but I didn't want to get out because my whole retirement plan was do 20, 30 years and then just collect pension, right? Like that was it. And so then it kind of shifted my brain to, well, I needed an outlet. So I just kept pouring into this food blog. That was it. I just kept pouring in, pouring in and pouring in. And it maybe been about a year. It was about a month before they separated me. And they were like, they're like, Hey, it's coming down. And someone was like, Hey man, I love this stuff. Uh, and I was making my own recipes at this point, but it's not difficult. I was like, oh, they taught me how to cook chicken. If I change out a couple spices and a sauce and it's my recipe, sweet. Yeah. And that's kind of how I did it. And they're like, but it would be dope if all of these were in one place. Can you make me an ebook? And I'm like, what's an ebook? And they're like, you put all the recipes in this like word document. So bro, I'm so dumb. I made a word document, not a PDF and copy and pasted everything. And then I emailed it to them. And they're like, why did you send this to me? I'm like, because you asked for it. And they're like, no, I would have paid you for this. I'm like, why would you pay me for something that's on my website? Mm -hmm. And they're like, because it's all in one place. They're like, hey, do yourself a favor, go upload this to ClickBank. And I was like, what's ClickBank? Mm -hmm. Did it there. And bro, I uploaded a Google document to ClickBank, not a PDF, nothing. And then they're like, yeah, and then list it on your website and do a blog post because you blog every day. I was blogging every day. And I'll never forget uh, on day one, I made my yearly salary at $27 a pop. And day two, I made like five years of my salary. And then my first ever digital product made a million bucks. Wow. And And it was a collection of recipes. That I'd already shared to the world for free on my website. And I have so many business lessons in that, but that's a whole nother podcast because it's Mm -hmm. the reason I'm successful today is I never let go of those principles. Mm. And so then... Fast forward, I was like, I couldn't get on the Marine Corps fast enough. And I was like, I became a paleo food blogger. And within two years, I became one of the top five in the world. Wow. And just kept living and living, ended up with a million social media followers. And everyone said the algorithm was broken, wrote a cookbook, 
With an email list of 9,000 people, I became a 22-week New York Times bestseller, all organically. Wow. Made an app, launched an app, hit number one in the world by Apple, got featured by Apple as the top health app of 2015. Once again, all organically. And then I went on to be this food blogger. And then as I started my healing journey, which was horrendous, it's like I was a narcissistic gaslighting dick mm. because I was so broken and so disconnected and so riddled with trauma and childhood trauma packed on top of combat trauma. And I was like, oh, I read a book. I'm good. Mm. And you know, when my wife left me for like the fourth time and there was enough at stake for me to see something different, started like this six-year journey of personal development, plant medicine, hospitalizations, EMDR, cognitive behavioral therapy, cognitive processing therapy, silence, meditation, breath work, like everything that I do now. And I, I basically broke everything. I was losing 40 grand a month in the business because I sabotaged the shit out of it because I wasn't worthy of having it, right? And then I created an environment where all of my audience was people that would give me attention and feed my insecurity so I didn't have to connect with the people in my family. And so I had no intimacy because it was the easiest place to run. And so it about killed me. And my wife was about eight months pregnant with our son. And I was about three weeks away from bankruptcy. Mm. And so I went to the jungle, uh, spent seven days in silence and came back. And I decided to give the entire company away as a Christmas present. And I was like, I can't have this. I can't do this. It's killing me. And uh, I told them how to turn it. They made it a seven-figure company again in like 30 days because they weren't pissing money away like I was. Right. And I basically started from scratch and I was blessed to have some friends. Uh, I got called up to a mastermind and uh, Aubrey was there and Tucker Max was there and Jim Quick was there and everything. And they're all like, my life is great. My life is great. I'm like, I'm fucking miserable. And I attempted my life a couple months ago. And uh, this is bullshit. And that was kind of like my energy. None of them even responded. They just ignored me. They just like completely ignored me. And uh, somebody ended up, Tucker ended up asking a Facebook question. And somebody gave an answer. And I was like, that's the dumbest answer I've ever heard. You're just going to piss all your money down the toilet. And they're like, what would you do? Mm. And I was like, give me a whiteboard. And I mapped out what I had done for like the last five years. And there were 22 people in the room and 20 of them hired me the next day. Wow. And I was like, what are you hiring me for? And they're like, mm. to teach us. And I'm like, teach you what? Mm. And I was like, wait, you want to know what's in here in my brain? And I, and they're like, yeah. And so in following traditional trends, I was healing at this point and things are great. Uh, started doing that, started consulting, and it gave me the beautiful place to be, which was behind the scenes, not mm. in front of them. Mm. So being everybody's number two and the Oz behind the curtain meant that I had the space for my relationship and my ego and, and all of that. So I deleted social media, changed my phone number, changed my email, and I went behind the scenes for three years. And in two years, I became uh, one of the highest paid digital marketing consultants in the world. Uh, on par with like numbers that most people wouldn't understand. No college degree, no formal training, just self-work, yeah, self-experience. And so then I went and did on it, Vital Proteins, Men's Health, Adidas, Titleist, LA Clippers. Like these are all my clients mm. and it did their marketing and helped them scale. And then it was about, I don't know, three years ago, two and a half years ago, my wife's like, hey, babe, I love you. You fucking talk too much. And when you got rid of the internet, we all had to catch it. <laughs> and i was like what are you saying she's like it's time for you to go help people again and you've been doing incredible you've been healed for about two years yeah you're from the right place go help mm -hmm. and then i was like i'm coming back on the internet on my terms and mm -hmm. my job is to help art centered heart-centered entrepreneurs who give a fuck scale their business to make a shit ton of money to have a shit ton of impact mm -hmm. 
and only doing it with a line to human principles that literally your kids would be proud of. And then that became my life. And so now I run one of the top podcasts in the world. I do events. I own eight companies. Uh, I run a mastermind. I do private consulting. I sit on the board of a nonprofit. I got hands in every pot. I got my backpack company just passed 11 million organically. I just closed an $80 million deal on one of my toy companies. Like, wow. And now I work four hours a day. I spend the rest of the time with my friends and family and I spend the rest of my time pouring into human beings and trying to be the difference and show them that no matter where you are, where you come from, the choice of how we respond is always ours. And I think my life gave me one of the greatest toolboxes that I could ever ask for Oof. because there's nothing I haven't experienced. Wow. And, I, and I mean that wholeheartedly. I've been shot. I have shrapnel in my body. I've attempted my life. I've witnessed three Marines take their life. I've been in situations that people shouldn't be in in every area of my life. And if I can find self-love in the midst of that and then use that to reparent my kids in my life and, and be a husband. And no, it's not roses and rain petals. Like my couch is very comfortable on purpose because I have to sleep on it sometimes, right? <laughs> but it's the intention and the effort and the energy that goes into it. And I know that was a little longer than I said, but that is about the, the most I can give you without unpacking all of it to get an accurate picture of kind of where we are. Yeah. Thank you for that. I'm, I'm not sure which area to dive into, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, maybe we just end here. Uh, <laughs> this has been great. <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, You're good. Everyone's like, really? We're like, stay tuned for part two. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to make this a Netflix docuseries. <laughs> yeah, seriously. George, what, what is it about you that, how do we break down some of the principles for someone listening that just went, okay, I've heard this story before. I've heard the, you know, Tony Robbins started an 800 square foot studio and now he's worth 75 gajillion dollars. But what we're missing is the middle. Mm -hmm. And and I know you touched on some of the things, but let's say for a, a, this is my favorite question. Thank you. Yeah. What was and let me let me even take a step before we get to the middle. What's step one? So we have a guy who's like, you know what, man, I have a business. It's it's kind of working. It's also kind of killing me. I have a <laughs> marriage. It's kind of working. It's also kind of killing me. Uh, I have fitness. I I say I'm going to go three times a week. I go three times a month. And I'm in this spiral of, I don't know what to do next. So I just keep doing what I've been doing. What would be some of the advice? We could use that as an archetype. Oh, I love it. I love it. I could, I could do an entire two-hour podcast just on that question. Okay. Um, and I love that. It's so good. And yes, the reason when somebody asks me who I am, I don't answer with that is because that's not who I am. Those were choices I made. Mm. I'm who I choose to be today. So let's start talking about this. So step one radical honesty with self. And I'll tell my moment. My moment is when I decided to take my opiate addiction and end my life. And I was already taking 10 to 15 hydrocodones a day because most people forget I was in physical therapy for 18 months. I had a PCA pump, which is patient controlled anesthetic. Every six minutes dilated in my body for six months. Wow. Like I got made into an opiate addict, made into one. And for people who don't know Dilaudid, when I was going through acupuncture school, they said, this is the elephant gun yep. of opiates. Yeah, that's it. It's game yeah. over. It's game over. Like one week and your brain chemistry changes and yeah. you're basically, you make heroin addicts look like kindergarten. Yeah, I just got chills. 
Yeah, and I'm not trying to discredit what anybody's problems are, but like, it's fucking insane. Mm-hmm. Insane. And so here's how the VA works. <clears throat> I was done, like done, done. And in the world of veteran support, all I have to do is text my doctor and be like, hey, uh, I'm running low on hydrocodone. My pain's a nine out of 10. Here it is. I need more. And the next day, the post office driver shows up at my door with 90 of them. Jesus. And all I have to do is one year analysis every year. And you want to know what they're looking for? They're looking to make sure their drugs are in my system and that I don't have any other drugs. And so I would not take them, but if I ever needed them, I would have to take them for a week before my urinalysis so that they ended up in my system. So they would give me more or else they thought I was selling them. Wow. And I was like, selling is the least of my issues. And so what I ended up doing is I, I took about 65 of them and they were 10, 325s. So you do the math on that one. My liver shouldn't work. My body shouldn't work, you know, blank. And I went to bed happy and sad at the same moment because there was no coming back. And I was like, that's it. That's it. And I woke up the next day and I thought I was dead because everything was normal. My body felt normal. Wow. I felt normal. I was like, what's going on? Yeah. It took me like days to realize that like I was still alive Mm. and it created a lot of clarity for me. Uh, And this was, you know, six years before my wife and I even thought about getting together. Like this was early. And I always had these thoughts and these thoughts and these thoughts. And then I had to get really honest with myself. And I'd ask myself, do you really want to die? And it took me about a month to answer that question because the answer was no. Because if I wanted to die, there were many other ways to die. Many other ways to die. And what I ended up with, I said, then why am I choosing to kill myself every day? And lying to myself that I'm not dying. And I watched my dad kill himself for years. And so I don't give a fuck who you are. Checking boxes is choosing a slow death. And it's due to a lack of integrity with ourselves. And for me, it was because I didn't like the man that I saw in the mirror, but I wasn't willing to do anything about it. And the only reason I couldn't do anything about it is because I was in denial about where I was. And so I checked the wrong boxes. And so I was being out of integrity with myself. And it came to a point where I'm like, hey, I'm a horrible husband. Hmm. I'm an absent father. I lie. I've cheated. I manipulate. I've stolen. I see demons. I have bad thoughts. And it was the day that I got radically honest. There's a book called Radical Honesty. It's incredible. Radically honest with myself that I had clarity for the first time because it was really, really simple. Do I want to live or do I want to die? And I was like, I don't want to die. That was my answer. Nowhere did I say I wanted to live. I wasn't there, but I just said I didn't want to die. And I was like, cool. I need to know where I am and I need to know where I want to go. And every day it was just one thing, one thing, one choice, like no joke. Don't take pills today. Get off the couch for 10 minutes because there were, my wife was pregnant and I would lay on the couch for 22 hours a day watching Netflix. And she thought she was going to have to get a job pregnant to support us because I was that far gone. Mm. And it was one thing and one thing, and it required radical honesty. And so when I share my story, I actually hate that part of my story where I make it sound so easy, Mm. but this was six years of every day 
choosing something different. But all it started with when I woke up in the morning was, do I want to die? And the answer was no. And I didn't know why. I didn't know what I wanted to live for. I didn't know what impact I wanted to make. But the moment I had an answer to that question, I knew that I couldn't just sit there. Because if I just sat there, I was choosing death and I was lying to myself. So earlier when I said most people neglect the most important relationship that they're guaranteed to spend the rest of their life with, it's themselves. And it doesn't matter what therapy, what modality, what course, what breath work, what therapist says what anything, none of it matters. If the narrative and the story that we're telling ourselves is based on a lie. And so it requires this level of radical honesty. And from that point, it's freedom. It's true freedom. It doesn't mean it, it's devoid of pain. It doesn't mean that I, I don't forever know that there's holes in my wife's fence that I put in there. And even though I pulled the nail out, the holes stay. I understand that. And now it gives me fuel and even more fuel to be different every single day to where that fence is so strong that the nail hole disappears. Right. But it required that. And so with that, I realized the second most dangerous thing for me to be was alone. Not because I was going to take my life, but because there was, I was not willing to hold myself accountable to my potential or something new. And I would fall back on behaviors. And so environmental design huge. I just did a podcast on my show, but that meant my TV, my phone, my friend circle, who needed to know what I was going through and where I wanted to be and who could hold me at my potential while loving me in my process. Mm. 12 step programs, codependence anonymous was huge for me. Mm. I went to CODA over and over. And then I went to SAA or sex SLAA, sex and love addicts anonymous. And the structure of having an unjudgmental container and something to commit to every single week just kept me in motion. And by the way, if you've known me longer than this, this was all happening when I was on book tour as a New York Times bestseller. Wow. This was all happening when I was still in the thruxes of addiction. And I was a New York Times bestselling author of a paleo cookbook. And I was purging backstage before my keynotes. And so the middle starts with radical acceptance and self-honesty. And then it's one thing. Like if I had to give a movie, it's what about Bob? It's just what about Bob? It's just baby steps. But like a lot of the times purgatory tends to be everybody's worst enemy. And the purgatory only exists because I refused to acknowledge and accept where I was. And then I just kept using words to tell everybody how I wanted it to be different. But those were my defense mechanisms to stay where I was. Because if I truly wanted it to be different, like if my five-year-old son and I get a phone call from his school right now that I needed to be there in nine minutes, I don't give a fuck who else is in the world, but I'm gone. Mm -hmm. And if it's 20 minutes away, I'll make it at nine. Mm -hmm. No questions asked. Mm -hmm. What I was missing was something greater than myself to extract this pull from. And I was waiting for that to show up. I was waiting to get struck with vision. And I was waiting to get struck with inspiration and clarity. And I was like, oh, but those are the things that only come when you're taking action. Mm. Those are the things that require the input of forward momentum to get you that. Because if you just stay in the mud, you can't see past what you can see. But if you step out, you can see further. If you mm. step out, you can see further. And I was like, okay, cool. So the principles I started going to were, let's say I don't know who I want to be as a man. I don't. I don't know what I want to do in the world. I don't know what type of husband I want to be. I don't know what type of father I want to be. And I was like, great. 
I'm a pretty simple dude, three colors of crayons in my box. And one of my dear friends just used inversion theory on me. He's like, cool. Name me three things that you would never want to happen again. I was like, I don't ever want to raise my voice or abuse my children. They're cool. I'm like, I don't ever want to have an addiction problem like my parents. He's like, cool. I'm like, and I don't ever want to be a shitty husband. And he's like, cool. And he's like, so what's one thing that would make you a shitty husband? And I was like, lying. He's like, great. He's like, what's one thing that would make you a bad parent? And I was like, yelling at my children or making passive threats. And he's like, cool. And he's like, cool. So could we agree that if you did the opposite of each of those once a day, no matter where you wanted to go, that you could prevent those things from happening? I was like, yeah, yeah. And it was one thing a week for like six to eight weeks. And then we added another one and added another one. It's like, cool. I don't want to be fat. Awesome. Well, you know, ordering three large Domino's pepperoni pizzas with a bottle of ranch and Frank's hot sauce, eating all three and purging, it's pretty much a guaranteed way to make me fat. Mm. I also realized that if you threaten to take something away from me, I'm going to go want it more. And I was like, cool, let's not get rid of the pizza. What's one thing we can add? And he's like, just one meal, one smoothie, one walk. And I made a rule to walk. And I was like, I'll just walk for a mile. I still walk for a mile every single day. No matter what, outside, I literally live at the base of, you know, Swan Mountain Range and Glacier National Park. So it's not really like pulling teeth to get me to go outside and walk. <laughs> but it was like all these things. And what I found is that with a lot of people that struggle, even when I'm coaching people and I'm helping people, my private clients, we get stuck. Getting stuck is human nature. We get put inside the bottle and we can't see the label. That's fine. But it's not hard to get out when you ask yourself, who do I not want to be? Mm. What do I not want to do? Like, I don't know, you tell me. And you're like, well, I don't want to be fat. I'm like, cool. Well, what's one thing that would make you fat? And you're like, uh, continuing to eat this seven fucking foot pizza in front of me. I'm like, awesome. Can you put it down? And you're like, yeah. I'm like, well, cool. You just chose not to be fat, which means in the beginning, it gets you into momentum until you're like, I want to be. It was easier for me to focus on what I didn't want to be because I was living in so much pain and trauma. That's as far as I could see. Yeah. And what ended up happening is that as I started to make progress in my marriage, in my business, in my parenting, I realized that I started to say to myself and to the people around me who I wanted to become mm. instead of saying who I didn't want to be. Mm. And I protected that momentum over everything. And then that became the thing. And, and the number one secret, and I'll answer the question earlier, the number one reason I struggled is that I couldn't stand to be in a relationship with myself, but I didn't practice anything to deepen the relationship with myself. Mm. I couldn't sit still without a phone, without Netflix, without a computer, without a show, without a conversation, right? And most people can't. And yet I expected everything in the outside world to change when I was changing nothing in my inside world. And so the number one secret, and I'm, I'm not joking, that shifted everything for me is I started dating myself. Mm. And as a man and whatever you say, whatever the <laughs> fuck you want, I started dating myself and I was like, for 10 minutes, I'm going to date myself. That means I'm going to go for a walk with no phone, no music, and no people. It means I'm going to take a bath and I'm going to touch my toes and have gratitude that I have them and touch my legs. And even though I can't feel them, that I have them. And like started literally intentionally building pockets in my day where it's like, ah, that Netflix show looks so good, but I have to earn the right to watch it. How can I go date myself? How can I do date myself? And what ends up happening is that it becomes contagious and it flows and the momentum stacks. 
it's taking like atomic habits and a lot of other things and putting them into practice, but not in the essence of memorizing it or reading it, but like, fuck it. I get the message from the book. What are the things that I can do in my life today? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, cool. Uh, if you're unhappy in your marriage and you haven't talked about it, your wife fucking knows. Step one, acknowledging to your wife that you're both unhappy and things need to change and you're finding a way in which to change them. Radical honesty, right? You're like, I'm happy with my fitness. I'm like, cool, take the fucking Twinkie out of your mouth. Mm. Or get honest with me and say, hey, I'm not unhappy with my fitness, but I feel like I can't get laid because all I'm doing is fat and eating Twinkies and I want to have a beach body. And I'm like, cool, so you want to be fat and you want to have a beach body. You're like, yeah, I'm like, do you want to lose weight for 90 days? You're like, yeah. You'd be able to do it because you would be in integrity rather than telling everybody you want to live this healthy lifestyle. No, you got to be honest. Mm. And I watched people, myself included, got stuck for so many years because I wasn't being radically honest. I was being half honest. Mm. And it's like, that's the number one reason because it neutralizes every ounce of evidence either way. And it allows us to just be fully who we are. We're not changing anything. We're not putting on a mask. We're not putting on a lens. Like, my wife will respond to me. She's like, I didn't like that you said that. Don't ever say that again. I'm like, holy shit. Mm. And I'm like, whoa, what a gift that my wife loves me enough to tell me the things that support her and don't support her so I don't do them again. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, she's honest with me. She's direct. She's open. And that's how we try to be. And so for me, that story arc was there. And then you have to earn the right to complicate things. You have to earn the right to add another habit. You have to earn the right to add another thing, to do another course, because shelf help is fucking pointless. Mm-hmm. It leads to more depression, suicide, and things that don't work because you can go to every seminar in the world. They're going to convince you the same thing, that you're broken and you need more of them. So you come back. You're going to go to a psychiatrist. When was the last time you saw a psychiatrist like, oh, my job is to heal you in one appointment? No, because then they don't get paid. Of course not. The psychologist's job is to keep you on that couch. And I'm not speaking for everybody. I'm painting with broad strokes are some credible ones, but most of our society is designed to keep us disconnected from ourselves because it makes us impressionable and malleable. The more you consume social, the more malleable you are, the more drama and conflict, the more malleable you are. Every single thing is done by design. And if you look at our world and name me one thing that's designed to get you connected to yourself, Mm. there isn't. And so we get upset that we don't have the life that we want, but yet we're consuming everybody else's versions and letting the outside world dictate to us who we should be, which is always going to create dissonance and unhappiness. And I found a lot of people actually know what they want and have clarity, but they've been so fucking conditioned from outside influence that it's created the sliver of doubt to create dissonance, to keep them stuck, which is by design. And so it all still goes back to the same thing. Radical honesty, dating myself. And one thing a day. And that's how I get out. And now it's like, I kind of hate sharing my highlight reel. And it's like, cool. But yeah, this morning I was in tears three times. I had a very hard business conversation yesterday. We lost like a million dollar deal. We had to fire one of our teams. Like, but I don't see those things anymore. I'm like, cool, let's keep going. How can we fix it? How do we put more hard and what adjustment can we make? And boom, 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 boom. Mm. But it really feels like momentum. And so, I'm just going to close this with one other part since you're totally fine with this, but those three things are huge. And then this is the part that nobody talks about. What happens when it fucks up, it stops working or something happens? It's going to happen. Guaranteed, no matter how good you are, 
Your wife will be mad again. Your kids will be upset again. The business won't work again. Like stop thinking it's not going to happen and start expecting it to happen every single day because that's honesty. The human experience has modulation built in. It has range. We're supposed to feel really, really deep lows so that when we have the deep, super high highs, we can experience them. We do not want a linear life. So modulation and range and these things are going to happen. Your ad accounts are going to get shut down. Your relationship's going to have a fight. Somebody's going to make a mistake. Somebody's going to lie. Car accidents are coming. Team members are going to get hurt. There's going to be deaths. Like it's guaranteed to come. Stop thinking that we can control that it's going to come and start asking, how am I going to respond when it does come? Mm. And not what am I going to do, but who am I going to be? I know no matter what, things are going to happen. Like today, I had my big plan coming to the office, boom, boom, boom. On the way to the office, my wife called me in tears. Not normal. And I was like, what the fuck? Luckily, I was about a mile away from where she was. I didn't even ask. I opened the phone, clicked on her location, saw where she was, took a left and found her. And I pulled up and she's like, is that you? I'm like, yeah, hang up the phone. Jumped out of the car, gave her a hug, held her. We talked for about 10 minutes. She told me what was going on completely unexpected, atomic bomb out of left field. And it was like, amazing. And I made sure she was good. I got in the car, I did my breath. I was like, who do I want to be for the rest of the day? And what do I get to do to create something different? And then I drove to work, I cleared the space and I was like, boom, I didn't expect that atomic bomb today. I did not. Mm -hmm. But I know that when atomic bombs happen, I have a toolbox to utilize. And so the way that I do this I teach this to my students, my private clients. It doesn't matter if you make a hundred grand a year or a billion a year. And that's the range of my private clients. I make them all do this and I have them design their SOS procedures, right? Because my branding is a lighthouse. That's, that's the whole thing. So to give context, when I went to the jungle and I was really lost and I decided to give away the company, um, the shaman said to me, he said, you'll always struggle, my friend, because you have no vision. You can't see. Mm. And it took me four days to sit with that. And he's like, what's your mission? I was like, what do you think it should be? He's like, sit with that one. And this was like painful. Because mm -hmm. I was like, tell me the answer. I'm a man. Mm -hmm. Tell me what to do so I can fix it. Right? Mm -hmm. Like I went into all. And about day five, I sat on a blank notebook. And I wrote this on a piece of paper. And I wrote, to stand with structure in the face of resistance to create possibility. Mm. And I never edited it. It is still the same to this day. Mm -hmm. And I brought that into my life. And then we had a team meeting a couple of years later. And my, my brother was like, you know, that's the definition of a lighthouse, right? Mm -hmm. And I had been teaching lighthouse stuff. And so we combined them all together. And I use a lighthouse as an analogy for existing in the world, for existing in business, because it's not our job to go out into the water to bring about home. It's our job to be consistent and congruent until they bring themselves home. That's what leadership is. Mm -hmm. And so I had this mission statement that I ended up writing for my life and it became my branding and my job is to be a lighthouse every day. And so in all nautical themes, I was like, well, what's my SOS? Like what happens when the light goes out? Because mm. no matter what, it's going to happen. Storms, power failures, a boat goes down, boom, 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 boom. And I was like, oh my God, I need SOS procedures for my life. And so what I call them is I call my first one, my inner, my inner toolbox, right? This is between me, myself, and I. Breath, movement, dance, music, walking outside, working out, self-pleasure, self-care, shooting guns, like any single thing that I have at my disposal that I can do with me, just me and myself 
and it shifts my energy into a place of positivity or something good. Helps me process, help me feel. My numero uno is outside of nature, like hands down, no matter what. That's number one for me. Uh, number two is working out. Number three is music, but only four select songs that every single time they shift me through. So I have what I call my inner toolbox, right? After my inner toolbox, I have my inner circle. And my inner circle are five to 10 people that hold me at my potential with love. Mm-hmm. So if you open my iPhone, that's the top nine in my contact. Mm-hmm. On your messages, there's nine. Mm-hmm. Those nine are my inner circle. And they're designed in order. Wife, daughter, business partners, best friends. And they literally are an order of priority. And then I have my outer toolbox. And these are things that I don't need at my disposal every day, but there might be a situation I need them. These are my attorneys, my therapist, my, my acupuncturist here. It's like anybody I have. And so here's the thing. I'm going to go home today. Something else might have happened, but my wife sees my calendar and will not call me when I'm recording all day. And so I have three more hours of recording. And so who knows when I'm done with this later, I might get another phone call. And so my job is to always have a plan. And that's the one thing that I took away from the military. The reason that Marines make it in and make it out is because we don't have to think anymore because we've drilled in so many plans that when shit hits the fan, our training takes over, not our brain. Hmm. And so I have this design to where it's like, I get an atomic bomb. Cool. Toolbox one up, breathe. Number two, go for a walk. Number three, boom. I'm still on tilt. Shit. Inner circle. Hey, babe. I'm feeling this. I'm on this. I just need some space. Hey, Shy. Hey, Stephanos. Like I can name them off the top of my head. Hey, Rob. Like they're all in order. Mm-hmm. And then they help or don't help. And they're like, that's not me. Call the attorney. Boom. So for example, I had a surprise tax bill come in, like to the tune of multiple six figures that should not have come in, but somehow we are on the hook for due to some fraud which I don't care what day of the week it is. We get a fucking $300,000 tax bill that you did not expect. It doesn't feel good. <laughs> how much money you make. I don't right. care. Right. So when you're like, you're already taking stuff that's not yours, but that's a whole different podcast. Mm-hmm. And so literally my body went on tilt. Like I've worked on my scarcity. It's, it's gone, but there's levels to it. That one triggered everything. Homelessness, mm. my childhood. I mean, I would, bro, I was on so full tilt. In a matter of five minutes, I was better. I tried my things, didn't work. I called Lindsay. She's like, don't call me, call the attorney. I called the attorney and he's like, George, I know where you're calling. Hold on. I already got it. Here's the plan. I'll reach out to you later. Take a breath. It's not a big deal. We might be on the hook for it, but there's a plan. I got it. You're good. And I was like, and then the hardest part is that I couldn't suffer anymore. And my body is so comfortable in that chaos that it was actually hard for me to let it go when it was all handled because it was so much more comfortable for me to be in that chaotic environment. So I was like, cool, Mm -hmm. back to the walk. And then I just crushed the rest of my day. That Mm -hmm. used to take me out of commission for weeks, Mm -hmm. months, Mm -hmm. right? And then every decision I made was based on my reactivity, which actually further made my life worse because I was coming from a place of things I didn't want. And then I was giving that energy out to the things around me, which was creating more of what I didn't want. And so everything I shared in the beginning also by design is intentional. If you want to be able to run a mile, you have to chunk it down. If you want to change something, you have to chunk it down. You have to chunk it down. And then you have to understand that when you're driving, you're going to get a flat tire. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. If you own a car for long enough, you've had a flat tire. Cool. You have two choices when it happens. You, you, you sit there, you get out, you change it, or you go slash the other three hmm. and just sit there miserable. None of us would ever go slash the other three tires. 
mm-hmm. ever. We'd change it. We'd call for help. We'd call for something. We have our SOS procedure so we can put the tire on and get back on the road. Even if the road isn't as long, or even if we're not going as far, we protect progress and momentum while honoring how we feel. And so I know that was like a diatribe, but mm. I wanted to answer it in, in entirety, if that's helpful for somebody. Super helpful, brother. Thank you. You guys uh, have a chance to take a breath yet, right? This guy is dropping gems. Uh, I'm going to say it again for you nice guys, www.manuncivilized.com forward slash kill the nice guy. Get in this course, get involved, start changing your life out of a fear of conflict and into a life of confidence. Go there right now, killthenicegui.com. I'm sorry, don't go killthenicegui.com, manuncivilized.com forward slash kill the nice guy. All right, back to George. I've worked with a lot of men and I've had the, have my, found myself in the same situation where I say self-honesty and date myself. Okay, so I'm being honest, wink, wink, uh, and date myself. And this is something I'm better at, but I know a lot of men are like, I just don't know what to do. So mm-hmm. we could start with the self-honesty and then move into number two. How do we, I, I believe there's layers of honesty and, and, and that's not just protection. It's not just, hey, I'm lying because I want to cover the fact that I'm doing this thing. But with working with men for so long now, we get to the, you're not really angry. You're actually not even scared. You're hurt. Yeah. Okay. But it, that, took some, that took some help. That took some journaling. That took some stuff. So how do you recommend or how did you get that on? Like, okay, bare naked, like you use the word radical, but like full on honest honesty. How, yeah. how do you recommend men get to that point when their own blind spot is the limiting factor of finding it? Does that make For sense? For sure. Yeah, no, I love this question. And full radical honesty, I just peed in a coffee cup because I couldn't wait. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a good guess so far. It's the only reason I have a standing desk is because nobody knows that I pee in cups probably three times a week because I stay hydrated. And the podcast and not interrupt it. So I just peed in my coffee cup. So I always drink my Americano and keep the coffee cup on my desk. And I've never, before you ask, I've never made the mistake of drinking it because I'm very aware of what's in that cup. Cool. So to answer your question and to add some pattern interrupted humor into it, um, it's a muscle and it requires practice. And here's the place you can't practice it in your fucking head. Your head is your own worst enemy because your head is by design kept to keep your reptilian brain safe and not create anything of discomfort and radical honesty. I don't give a shit who you are is discomfortable because it requires us accepting our sovereignty and our power and being willing to stand in our truth. Even if on the receiving end, it doesn't have a desirable result. And we're taught that that's wrong. Mm. And so it's a muscle. It happens all the time. It took me years to get comfortable with this, but like that, I would do that all day and say that 10 years ago, I would have been like, you have no clue. I would have given myself a UTI before I ever did that. Right. 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 I've experienced enough death and destruction and things in my life though, that it's like, I'm not willing. I'm not willing to sacrifice myself anymore, but here's why I say that it's Mm -hmm. a muscle, right? You nailed it in coaching men. Anger is a secondary emotion to sadness, right? No, you should never be placated. Oh, you're really angry. Shut the fuck up. This isn't goose froba. Like go wiggle your ear. The first part is, is that number one, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, our bodies are super connected, right? And so if you're having anger in your body and you try to mitigate it down to a feeling, you're going to get more angry because your body is trying to off gas. There's nothing wrong with anger. 
There's nothing wrong with sadness. There's nothing wrong with resentment. There's nothing wrong with any of it. Because by the way, if I eliminated man's fucking ego, they would be nothing more than emotions without labels. Because I don't know how to explain this to you, but just because they say anger is defined as this in a dictionary doesn't fucking make it true. It's an unexplainable phenomenon in a human experience that a human is trying to understand to make meaning of their life. So that's part one, hands down, right? You have to understand that what you're taking in isn't fact. It's just there. You're having an experience Mm. and that experience needs to be honored. And there's times that that experience leads to shit. I have a lot of anger. Cool. Don't hit anybody, but go intentionally smash that pillow. Steph has so many people do somatic trauma releases through rage rooms and breath and pillows and boom, 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 right? So number one, don't make what you're feeling wrong, Mm. right? Because if you're driving in your car and you haven't changed your oil and your check engine light comes on, it says low oil, pull over. And you're like, you're fucking wrong. Good luck. You just seized your whole motor and your car is destroyed. Right, right. I would love to actually see a video of somebody driving down the road and telling them their check engine light is wrong. Hey, no, you turn off. You're wrong. (laughs) It's not right. Do not know. No. Or the weather app, right? It's not raining. That is not rain outside. That is ice or gas. You know what I mean? Like I would love it. So we can't do it to ourselves. So that's number one. Number two. So number one is don't make your experience wrong. Whatever your experience is, you get to have your experience, but you're not your experience. Mm. Right. Number two is practice, right? That means you need to have outlets, right? Writing is a huge one. So if it's in your brain and you're like, I'm such an angry, blah, 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 cool. I want you to write it on a piece of paper. I need you to get it out of your brain. And getting it out of your brain could either be speaking, could be writing, could be talking in the mirror, could be telling a friend. But all I need you to do is channel it from out here into something of existence because it will neutralize the charge and create a present moment because you can be filled with rage, like want to punch a hole in the fucking wall. And the moment you open your phone and go to record a video and say, I'm so angry. I want to punch a hole. I don't want to punch a hole in the wall anymore. Shit. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it's interrupting the tilt. The moment you're having all these negative thoughts about yourself and you go to write them on a piece of paper and then I tell you to read them and then send them to your kids. Mm. all of a sudden you don't have them anymore so like here's my secret i'll show you this so you're going to be able to see this so do you see the background of my phone yes it's your child no that's me oh wow at five years old wow because it's really hard to tell him he's a piece of shit yeah it's really hard to tell him that he's a failure it's really hard to tell him that he's a horrible human Mm. I'm getting emotional thinking about it. Yeah, that just hit me. Mm. Because that's what I do when I used to act like that. Mm -hmm. Is I would tell this five-year-old little boy that didn't choose his upbringing, Mm. that because of it, that he didn't deserve to live. Mm. And I look at all four of those missing front teeth. And I remember my favorite song was Alvin and the Chipmunks. All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. Mm -hmm. And I find it very fucking hard to be mean to that boy. Mm. And then when I open my phone, it's a picture of my family, but me is number one. Thank and you. So, for that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's, um, I talk about this stuff so freely and eloquently because I have so much practice. I live this every day, every single day. It happened three times yesterday with my wife. It happened twice with the business partner where it's like, maybe I'm wrong. Oh my God, I am. 
here's this. Oh my God, self-love, go. It's a muscle. Mm. I talk about it, but I don't want anybody to think that I'm devoid of feeling it. I feel mm. all of it, mm. all of it. And so don't make your experience wrong. Number two, create an outlet for your experience. One that is neutral. It doesn't do you any good to call your drinking buddy who thinks your feelings are dumb and makes fun of you when you drink. I'd get new fucking friends. No, it makes it to know that like, I don't have to know Traver to know that if I needed and I called, he would witness me and ask me questions, not make me wrong, not invalidate my experience, but that's just me having an outlet because Traver can't fix anything for me. I can't fix anything for you. Stephanos can't fix anything for you. The only thing we can be is a mirror for the truth without the story. Mm. And typically when we're up here in mm -hmm. our brain, it is designed to keep us where we are because where we are is comforting. And a lot of men, and I'm speaking with a very broad stroke that have had any traumatic upbringing or any traumatic experience in their life thrive in chaos because it's predictable. Mm -hmm. And there's always something to give our energy to because then it eliminates the downtime for us to be with ourselves. And right. so having that outlet is huge. Mm -hmm. Writing is huge. My favorite thing to do is woo-woo it is like, oh, you're such a piece of cancel. I'm a rainbow riding unicorn horseman. I don't know. Like I just make stuff up. Mm -hmm. Then I'm just like, nope, that's a better thought. That's a better thought. Speaking mm -hmm. out loud. I did this in my business at Civilized Caveman where I made a rule that I was going to go live every day in the midst of my healing journey, no matter how I fucking felt. Mm -hmm. And I think it was six months of live every day, 10,000 views, 20,000 views. And I remember one day I relapsed in my bulimia hard, hard. And I was like, I made a commitment to go live today. And I was like, I can't lie because I said I didn't want to be a liar. So I turned on the camera and said, I don't want to fucking be here. I was crying my eyes out, everything. I would have wished for something different, uh, but that's the video that went viral. Mm. Uh, six and a half million views in 24 hours. And I was like, well, that muscle just got flexed permanently. Mm -hmm. And it was something that could have happened. That created so much abundance in my life because of my truth and my honesty that I would have only done that. So part one, never make your experience wrong. If your experience is about to cause harm to other people, stop it. But if you're listening to this, have a very hard time believing that to be true. Mm. Don't make your experience wrong. Number two, create an outlet for your experience. We make kids wrong for self-soothing, for sucking their thumbs, for fidgeting, for boom. They're regulating their nervous system better than every adult I've ever fucking met because it's by design is in them until we taught it out of them. Right. That's why kids can be super angry and then literally cry, explain how Tommy took his toy. And then two minutes later, they're hugging each other and cuddling in a tree. <laughs> right. That's our job. It isn't to learn anything new. It's to remember what we already know. Mm. And what we're doing is we're simplifying the things to remember. So create an outlet for your experience. And then once that's done, it's the only way that step two can actually happen. Because if you make your experience <laughs> wrong or keep it in your head, any level of self-care or dating or anything that you're going to do for yourself is going to be used as evidence collection to endow that what you currently think is true. Because it lives up here in the cesspool. So your brain's like, no, no, give me evidence. No, don't move. Don't make the phone call. Don't say that thing. Don't post that. Why would you ever fucking post that? No, no, no. And then you go try to do self-care. And then you're like, look, I went for a walk and then they called me and I couldn't do it. See, I should never do that again. Mm. No, that's not how the game works, bro, bro. You got to make sure that you're setting yourself up to win. And so I talk about this simplistically because it is simple. 
And the more simple we make it, the better it gets. Mm. And so that's the way that I would go about it is like, your experience is your experience. And I don't care what the fucking world tells you, it's not wrong because it's yours. And the only person who can determine its validity is you. And unless you're convinced that you are lying to yourself and you're not feeling what you're really feeling, then your experience is valid. And when you accept that your experience is valid, regardless of what it is, if you have thoughts of hurting people or you're angry, you're doing whatever, remember that you are not your experience. You're having an experience. And I find that the way for me to not believe my experience is to have an outlet mm. for that experience. And I've written some crazy shit. And I'll tell you right now, when you have like the dark thoughts and you start writing on a piece of paper, I saw this guy at the coffee shop who looked at my wife funny. I wanted to rip off his testicles, shove him up his asshole. So we fucking spit him out of his mouth. Um, about halfway through that, I realized that's not the man or the monster that I am. And I'm like, scratch that off. Holy yeah, yeah. moly, I have a lot of jealousy issues. I should probably work on these things. Mm. But it's hard when you start giving an outlet and you make it real to allow it to ruminate up here anymore. Yeah. And yeah. then from that place, it's like, oh, shit. Oh, in that example, oh, I have some jealousy. You know what I did? That, that actually happened, by the way. Um, mm. <laughs> I was like, hey, baby, uh, I love you. You give so much. I'm feeling really insecure. Mm -hmm. And I'm realizing that like, I'm pretty empty because... I'm feeling really threatened. I need some space. Can I go? And she's like, yeah, babe, go. Mm. And I went for a walk and I was like, where's this coming up from? Where's this coming up? And it was me. It wasn't mm. my wife. It wasn't him. It was right. me. The story that I was making up that you can't check out my hot ass wife. No, check my hot ass wife out. Thank you. Right? Like right. there's one house she lives in. And it's mine. Right. You know what I mean? And I don't own her by any means. Trust sure, me. Sure, sure, sure. You know what I'm saying? I'm joking. But but that's it. And so then that experience of like, how do I self-care? How do I date myself? It's yeah. like that one thing led itself to me. And so like, if you wake up in the morning and you're feeling really depressed and really sad and like literally like you can't get out of bed, turning on Netflix or opening your phone isn't going to make it any better. Acknowledging mm -hmm. that you don't want to get out of bed and you feel like shit and you don't know what to do is great. And I'm like, awesome. And you still can't get out of bed. I'm like, cool, get an outlet, type a note in your phone, record something in your phone. Or my favorite one is to record a video of myself telling me my experience and about 10 seconds of watching it back. I'm out of bed faster than you can count. Like, I mean, like I, I'm like, nope, that is not, no, I'm out. Like, because our human brain, like our brain recognizes our voice and our behavior and our thing more than anything. Mm. But our brain is also when in sympathetic or fight or flight designed to keep us in survival mode. When I record a video, it literally pattern interrupts my sympathetic nervous system and literally pulls me right back down to reality. I'm like, oh no, 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 no. And then I'm up faster than you can count. I'm like, all right, cool. You know what? I didn't shower yesterday. I'm just going to go shower. Right. Or right. you know what? I'm going to brush my teeth because that's typically one of the first things that goes for me when I'm neglecting self-care yeah. is brushing yeah. teeth, mm. right? Luckily, my wife is like, gets turned on my good hygiene. So it's very beneficial for me to brush my teeth. As most women do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like us men are like disgusting creatures. We're like, she's like, babe, I just came from the horse ranch. I've been sweating in 90 degrees. I'm like, end, let's go. And she's yeah. like, oh. and I was like, oh, there is that primal shadow in there that wants to get like, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. so I think, and what it is, it's just practice, man. Like it's just practice. Like I joke with you, but I didn't say the coffee cup unintentionally. That sure, is a sure. big, that's a big flex for me. Sure. 
to be so confident that I'm willing mm-hmm. to piss at my standing desk on my custom sheepskin carpet and hope I don't spill it mm-hmm. while also recording a podcast because I don't want to miss a beat. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of funny. And my wife yeah. said, did you really just say that out loud? And I was like, yeah, but we joke about it now. But I remember 10 years ago that me being willing to do this is what cured my addictions, what mm. changed my life and what kept me going to where I am now. Mm-hmm. And if I forget about the things that worked, then I stopped flexing those muscles and the results that I changed come back. Mm. And so for me, it's easier to practice over and over. And like any muscle, if you don't use it, it atrophies. Right. And then if you're not constantly increasing its stimulus, mm it gets stagnant. And so people like, George, it's so funny. Like you're so honest as a marketer. And like, I can't believe you said that on stage. And I was like, well, that's Mm -hmm. the truth. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought in that moment. When you show me the recording two hours later, am I embarrassed sometimes? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, Hey, you know what? That wasn't fully the truth. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it was fully the truth, but I probably could have said it like 35 different ways. Yeah. Thanks for reflecting for me. But I I think that's what it boils down to for me, man. And I know I'm long winded, but I'm really passionate Mm -hmm. about this because it's super important. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate your long-windedness because it is honest. If I can, if I can ask one more piece mm-hmm. to this, because mm-hmm. I, I know this issue, George, and I know men struggle with it. And you and I have circles around us of people who love us, respect us, who will literally love us to like, hey, I love you too much to let you keep doing this. Yep. But I'd love if you could speak to the men who who say, I just don't have that, or I have the opposite. Now, I remember early on, uh, my first digital product was a meditation course. And okay. I remember the, I've sold like 50 of them. Okay. And, and one dude emailed me and said, hey, I love your course. Here's the problem. I'm in a police department and, and you know, somewhere in the middle of the country. And the other guys found out that I'm meditating. And now I'm the joke of the department. And I was like, wait a minute. You are a first responder who has... Like you guys have addiction rates and suicide rates and divorce rates that are, you, you guys are VIPs in those categories and you're getting teased and belittled and put down because you're meditating. And he's like, yes, what do you think I should do? And it, that conversation was one of the catalysts of me building the membership and the nation and like, okay, I have a place for you. But how, what would you say to the men who literally don't have that kind of support or don't have the, men, the, inner, cir- the, the inner circle around them? I have so many one sentence answers to this that it's like, I'm, I almost feel like a smart ass fortune cookie right now. Uh, and I'm going to temper them down a little bit. Um, if you don't have one, it's because you're called to create one mm. because we're looking for things that can't come in. Mm-hmm. And that means you're being called to create something different. Okay. Whether it's your friendships, whether it's your relationships and, and the way to create them for yourself. And I, and I hate to say this, but if I could fast forward probably $5 million of therapy and healing modalities, and I had to summarize it down into the one thing to do every day, it's making my own being my home. Say a little more about that if you would. Yeah. Um, and I'll give the story behind it. So I spent a lot of my life homeless. I spent a lot of my life sleeping on couches and in basements and then in deserts and on sand floors and in fucking holes and in trucks. And then boom, boom, boom. I'll never forget when I bought my first home at like 25, I was still in the military. And uh, when I got out of the military and I met my wife and she had a kid and we were going to have kids and a dog, I convinced my wife that we should live in that 1000 square, 1000 square foot home for the rest of our life. 
because I was petrified to leave because it was consistent. It was comfort. It was safety. Mm -hmm. My wife's a goddess. My wife is used to be a hypnosis teacher and NLP coach and been doing this for like 20 years. So like I'm, I'm a product of her environment. We'll call that. Right. (laughs) And belief stayed with me for a long time, a long time. And it wasn't therapy. It wasn't anything. It was me traveling so much where I realized that I was off every time I left quote unquote home. But then under certain circumstances, I was thriving. And it took me a long time to reflect. And I was like, what is it? And it was my intentionality when I traveled. And it wasn't that I was home. It's that I brought all the things that made me feel home. My breath work, my supplements, my gym shoes, my like things that recreated what I needed to quote unquote feel home. And then you fast forward a couple more years and I realized that I was then codependent on exterior things. And I was under the illusion that those made me feel home, but they were a stepping stone for me. And then over the last couple of years, I've just started to remove it, to remove it, to remove it to where like when my daughter was like, we want to move to Montana. My wife was in and my wife knew that like, it was not going to be easy. My wife called me and within two minutes, I said, yes, when do we go? And literally I sold my race car, my motorcycles, my toys, my sauna, my gym, my everything. And she's like, wait, we're not leaving. I'm like, oh, I'm done. It's all sold. I got, and she's like, what? I'm like, I have everything I need. Like wherever I am is where I am. And so I look at all these things around us, therapists and friend circles and tools and modalities and things like that. They're amazing because what they do is they allow us to borrow some of their meaning until we can create it on our own. Like breath work is an amazing tool. Walking in nature, an amazing tool. But you could throw me in prison. And I wouldn't be able to walk in nature and I would be able to create that same feeling based on me, whether it's Joe Dispenza or you follow Nelson Mandela or you talk about Viktor Frankl or you start getting into it. Mm-hmm. It's we interpret the meaning. And now it's easy to say that now. But the advice I give people now is that remember that all you're doing in your current process is borrowing parts from other things and other people that you haven't yet created for your own. But the ultimate goal is that they're only borrowed until they're replaced with your own. Mm. And so being home, meaning you are the home. And so it's funny because it's like, I don't have that circle. Well, I can name half the population would beg to not have a circle. And then it's funny because we have the other half that's like, I need a circle, right? And I look at it and I'm like, a circle's whatever you make it. And, and people ask me all the time, like, George, my, my wife swears, Trevor, that I have 100,000 friends. She mm. fucking swears. We'll go to dinner and colleagues come to town and they're like, and she's like, I have like prep sheets for her. I was like, hey, this is who's coming. This is, I was like, babe, you've met them 11 times. She's like, yeah. And the 1100 people in the last 90 days that you forgot to, you know, in between. And they all joke with me. They all joke with me. I'm like, but I don't remember anything of any of them. But like when I go to the coffee shop and I get my coffee in the morning and they ask me how my morning is, I answered honestly. Mm. And I'm like, hey, how's your morning? I'm like, honestly, it's horrible. Yeah. Like yesterday I had a, I cracked my tooth. My teeth have been blown out like 11 times. And so it's a, It's a big thing and a lot of cosmetic rework that's like two more years in the process. And so I had a broken tooth yesterday. I'm like, I'm a little pissed and triggered because my tooth broke again. I didn't cry, but like it brings that up. She's like, oh my God, what happened? I was like, oh, well, this happened in Afghanistan and this happened as a kid and this happened boom. And I was like, but you know, it is what it is. I'm going to get it fixed. It's easy and get it fixed. I'm like, how's your morning? And she's like, I have to be really, really honest with you. And I was like, wow, that's all I would hope for, Mm -hmm. you know? And then she's like, 
this is in two minutes while getting my coffee. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, I just wish I'm like, I have something. I was like, I actually have a podcast I've recorded with a guy who specializes in this. Can I send it to you? She's like, yeah, I'm like, what's your phone number? And I text her the podcast. And it's like, George, how do you know so many people? I was like, because I practice this every single day, every chance that I get. And it's like, when you leave listening to this and you walk through a door and you hold the door for somebody or you see somebody and they ask how you're doing, I want you to answer it truthfully. I don't want the, oh, it's great. Like my events, people walk into my room and I'm like, all right, cool. Everybody, I, I use this thing called two-word check-in. I'm like, you need to tell me how you feel in two words. Mm-hmm. If you've never been to my room or in my show or in my podcast or my coaching calls, I get the whole like amazing and happy. I'm like, you're a fucking liar. Mm. Right. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I saw your Instagram story this morning where you spilled coffee on your fucking self and like ran over a banana peel and crashed your car. And they're like, oh, yeah, right? And it's practice and it's practice Mm. and it's practice over Mm. and over and over. And so when I say, make yourself the home, and this is an old personal development adage, and it used to drive me nuts because I hate like synthesizing things down to fortune cookies, but then I realized I hated it because all the best solutions are simple. Mm. There's not one complicated answer to any of our complicated problems. Mm. There's simple answers to everything we make complicated. And one of the wisest pieces of advice I ever got is to give away what you want to get. Mm. And I was like, whatever, whatever. Like I was an asshole. And I was like, you can't tell me that I'm sad and depressed. And if I go make somebody happy, that I'm going to be happy. I was stuck in that for like months. And then I'll never forget, uh, I was doing this very, very deep personal development intensive, which I can't share about or else it would ruin the experience, but it's experientially based. And I got given a stretcher and assignment. And I had to go do the thing that I feared most than anything, more than anything. I stood on the side of the road. I got spit on. I got yelled at, I got ridiculed, I got all of it. And I'm sitting here, this millionaire who thinks that's something, getting treated like a demoralized human. Mm. And I was wondering, like, I can't give happiness and give joy to people. And I'll never forget the one person who stopped. And like, I saw that, I'm so sorry, how are you? And it like changed me. Mm. And I was like, fuck. And I was like, that one person, just giving that one thing, asking that one question, that one care that went everything. And then I started practicing it. The reason I talk to so many people is because throughout my day, I'm probably sad five, 500 times. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, if somebody shows up in my space, they're not showing up because I need them. They're showing up because I have an opportunity to lead them. Mm. And if I listen, if I connect, if I empathize, if I do anything, I believe that every human I come into contact with, I can improve upon the silence. Mm. Whether that's listening, whether that's asking a question, like everyone's like, did you just meet the owner of that professional sports team and ask him their dog's name? I was like, I did. When was the last time you think somebody asked him their dog's name? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, when was the last time you think somebody asked them some stupid fucking question about how many cars they own or if they can borrow money or whatever? I was like, there's no humanity in it. It's all transactional. And I'm like, you know what's funny is the moment I ask him about his dog and he lights up because he has some fucking golden doodle and I have no idea what it is. And I see that twinkle in his eye. It fills my fucking soul with joy. And it makes me think about all the things that light my soul up. And so that's kind of how I do it. And so I know, and I felt and spent most of my life feeling isolated. Mm. It's that I was looking for something that didn't exist because I was expecting other people or things or environments to change for me rather than me to change, to change them. Mm. And so 
if you tell me right now that you're the tip of the top and there's no one, it's because you've been given the gift of leadership. Because leadership, and I'm going to be very intentional in my words, I believe there's a burden of leadership because it requires a capacity and a willingness to take on things that are not your own, but own them to create a possibility of difference for somebody else. And it's our job as leaders to recognize what's ours and what isn't ours. And when it isn't ours, to not own it as our identity, but feel it to find a solution to create something different for somebody else. And so if you feel like you're the only one and there's nobody that supports you and nobody that sees you, I guarantee you at least half of the rest of your circle feels the same exact way. And somebody needs to take that step forward to be different. And one of my favorite ever marketing commercials ever was the Rogaine commercials. You remember these things? Yeah. And my favorite line, my favorite line is probably one of the most profound business pieces of wisdom or tips that you could ever hear. Not only am I the president, but I'm a member too. too. Yep. And that, as silly as it sounds, is one of the most profound business life marketing principles that you could ever carry for the rest of your life. You got it from a fucking Rogaine commercial mm-hmm. because I don't pretend to be sitting on a pedestal. I don't pretend to have it all together. Yes, I'm well off. I'm, I'm very great. But then if you put me in a circle with four of my friends and they have B's where I have M's and we still have the same conversations and do the same work, except they do more of it to be able to handle what's there. I'm like, oh, okay, got it, right? Like this is just a game. Mm-hmm. It's just a game. That's all it is. And it's one that we have to play. But I feel like every single one of us is called. We're called to extract maximum amounts of value out of every opportunity in front of us while prioritizing people over profits. So it's like, if you're going to go, go. If you're going to race, win. If you're going to do business, build the best one. If you're going to have a team, build the biggest one. If you're going to make a product, make the best one. But in that, always carry the priority of people over everything else. And there's no way to lose. And if you're met in a situation where you're like, there's nobody that sees me, there's nobody that leads me. Well, I want you to understand why you're asking that fucking question, because you already recognize that you're the person who's supposed to do it or else you wouldn't be seeing it. Because if you truly have anybody around you, you wouldn't be able to notice and acknowledge that nobody is supporting and seeing you. It's your level of awareness and your EQ that is higher than your circle that's allowing you to realize that the way they're supporting you, because there is support, but it's not at the level of where you are and meeting that current need, which is demanding either a new circle or you create it and bring them up to your level. And it just so happens when you tie all that back together, because I hate open loops. If you feel like you need a support system that sees you and you're not getting it, then you have to create that support system to see those people around you for who they are and who they get to be. And it's going to bring them up to your level to see and support you. And so that's one of the biggest pieces. And the last thing I will say on this is that when we get into things not working, we're unhappy. I don't have what I want. My life, my wife left me, which by the way, I've lived probably over a hundred nights in hotels in the last 10 years as fixing this. I've had all of it, right? We have to be careful that we don't believe that story to be true and then expect something to be handed to us without action. 
right? And Jim Quick, one of my dear friends says this better than anybody. He says, you can't get upset about results you don't have from work you didn't do. And it's really easy to fall into this trap of like, my wife left, my business is not working. I'm unhappy. I'm a bad dad. Like my body's out of whack. I have an addiction and boom, boom, boom. And most of this society in the world will convince you that you should stay there and then tell everybody about it. And hopefully magically somebody with a fucking magic bottle and genie, you just come rub it the right way. And then it gets you out. And that doesn't happen. It perpetuates the pain in the cycle, which goes back to the initial thought of when you feel broken, when you feel on tilt, when you feel helpless, you are the best person that most of the capitalism in this country can utilize because you're impressionable and you'll do what they say, thinking there's an answer outside of yourself. Mm. And I'm not advocating <clears throat> or, or disavowing that you feel upset and you feel helpless and you feel any of that. But if you're listening to this, you're a thousand steps ahead of the person who literally has a needle in their arm and is trying to end it because there's not there and there's levels to this game. And the reason you're listening to this and you're hearing this right now is because you have the ability to lead anybody and everybody to create it different. And in that, you go from being the member to the president while you live and learn through your examples and your actions to pave the way to get to the next level for the next people. And it never stops. Doesn't matter the level of the game, doesn't matter the level of anything. It just requires that we take an action to go all the way back to number one. And so, yes, you may feel alone. I feel alone at times. I feel lost at times. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, this is mine. This isn't my team. This isn't my wife. And I'm like, where am I off? And I always find it pretty quickly now. I'm like, oh, there I go, expecting somebody else to save me. And blah, 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 blah. Like, because you put the fucking fork of chocolate cake in my mouth, right? Like, I didn't do it. My hand did it. The fork made me fat, right? right. And it's like, what? Like, do I have to be like Manish and like hire one of our friends to slap me every time I like pick up a fork, right? Like when he made padlock. Right. So it's just really, really important to acknowledge that, to realize that you can be where you are and you can need support and need or want outside support and outside help, but it's going to require that you go find it or you create it, not wait for it to show up. Oh, thank you, sir. And thank you so much, truly, for your time, for your energy, for your wisdom, for your guidance, for, for how you show up to this call, for how open you are, for how vulnerable you are. Uh, I appreciate you immensely. For people who are interested in finding out more of you, what you do, where you do it, where is the best place for us to, to send men and send, send folks? Yeah, man. If you think this crackpot of who is something you're interested in, like now you know, this is how I really... <laughs> I'll just get that out of the way. This is me. And then you add marketing and business on top of it. And you're like, what is that guy smoking? I'm like life and joy and gratitude and all those things. So yeah. it's the only reason we named our show, the mind of George, because my team could not think of anything that could encompass my level of crazy. Mm. And so we named it the mind of George. And so here's what I tell everybody. I'm here to support you. I'm here to help you. If you don't believe me, try me, DM mm -hmm. me, watch what happens. My team will tell you my entire job is relationships and helping people. And so here's what I'd recommend. The only thing I don't like, I don't like ambiguity. If you're going to DM me, DM me with intention so I can help you with intention. So I recommend my podcast. It's called The Mind of George Show. It's on everywhere that podcasts exist, 300 episodes in. Uh, and here's what I do to piss off my industry. I give away for free everything they charge you money for because it just makes me happy and I'm elevating the game. And so strategy, customer journey, mindset, business, marketing. Plus I have all my friends like Jim Quick and Mike Dillard and Steve Sims and all of them on the show extracting their wisdom as well. 
And it's the best place. And if on that show, if you hear anything, if you find anything, if you read anything and you're like, God, shoot us a DM. Uh, my Instagram is the best place, but go to the podcast first because it will help me and my team help you because that's our mission. So my Instagram is easy. It's, it's George Bryant, I-T-S-G-E-O-R-G-E-B-R-Y-A-N-T. Um, and I will say this, and I don't normally say this on podcasts, but because of the depth of this conversation, if you feel like I said something, I triggered something, you have unresolved conflict, there's something I said that you need more on, you have my full permission to shoot me a DM and ask me. And I'll get back to you in 24 hours. I will help you. I will guide you. I will make any recommendations I can. Just know this. I'm not a therapist. I'm just a hoot who figured it out and basically goodwill hunting to myself to this point and wasted a lot of money on therapy to get seven doctorates that I could have just gone to college for the other way. So that's the show. That's the best place to find me. And man, it's just an honor. Uh, and for you and for everybody listening, like this is a gift for me. It gives me the gift of time, something you can never get back. Mm -hmm. And so it helps my imposter syndrome when it's like, did I really just say that? Who am I to say that? Okay. Oh, I'm going to go meditate on that one later. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Truly. Okay. I really appreciate you. Have a kick-ass rest of your day. Cheers. Thanks, man. You too. This is Trevor Bohm signing off on another episode of the Uncivilized Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please give us a share. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. And if you're interested in getting a hold of my book, man uncivilized whether you're a man or a woman please go to www.manuncivilized.com forward slash the book and get reading <laughs>